Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger radio show podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. legs are short but very powerful for digging. In fact, the name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. It's that badger style. Hi everybody, welcome to another edition of the Cricket Badger Radio Show Podcast. You know the score by now, some great guests, me chatting, I'm James, and plenty to look forward to this week. I think, and I'm not just saying this, that this is the best one yet. We've got a three-way interview with Andrew Gale, Anthony McGrath and Kevin Sharp talking about their counties, their jobs as head coaches at Yorkshire, Essex and Worcestershire, respectively. It's a really interesting little chat and you'll hear the relationship that they have with each other. Some talk about their stats and their philosophies on coaching. And we also have this week Worcestershire batsman and PCA chairman Daryl Mitchell. He's answering the Cricket Badger quick questions, but there's plenty of chat as well about the 100 and Worcestershire season. Don't take my word for it. It's all here on the Cricket Badger radio show podcast. It's that Badger style. First up then, Andrew Gale, Anthony McGrath and Kevin Sharp all together talking about coaching and their times at Yorkshire Essex and Worcestershire over the last year and their hopes for next season. It's a pleasure then on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast this week to have three special guests on. Andrew Gale will go with you first. How are you, Gailey? Very well, thanks. And Anthony McGrath, you're there? I'm very well, thanks, James. And uh, finally, last but not least, Mr Kevin Sharp. Yes, the oldest one's here. <laughs> you're the only one that played cricket in, in black and white, aren't you, Kev? Uh, yeah, still, the people in London still watch black and white television. <laughs> <laughs> We'll start off with you, Kev, because you had a you had a, a terrific season at Worcestershire. Obviously, disappointment in the in the championship, but T Twenty success and a, and a good run in the other one day. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a roller coaster ride of a season as they always are. But you know, our, our one day form has, has been exceptional. Obviously, we got to a, a semi final. We were very close, three balls away from a Lords final. 
Um, the game could have gone either way. Uh, it was a fantastic game of cricket against Kent. And then obviously to, to get to finals day for the first time for the club was a big occasion. It's, it was just a wonderful day out, really. The lads really kind of enjoyed themselves and played good cricket and deserved to win in the end. And has the hangover gone yet? Well, I've been away for three weeks on a detox. Uh, I've been hiking in the mountains in, in, in the Himalayas and didn't have any alcohol or a coffee for 18 days, would you believe? No, I don't believe that. <laughs> it's absolutely true. And, and I'm, I'm absolutely fit as a fiddle, you know. I've lost loads of weight. <laughs> you needed to. <laughs> no comment. Mags, we'll go on to you. You've had, uh, obviously, taken over from Chris Silverwood, your first season in charge at Essex, where you were obviously there before. I mean, it was a tough act to follow, wasn't it, having won the championship, but you didn't do too bad. Yeah, um, I was pretty pleased, really, with, with how our season went we were a little disappointed in the T20 uh, but that's kind of the nature of the competition but um, I think third we're a pretty good reflection where we're at uh, this year always as you said difficult to, to back up uh, winning a trophy but um, all in all I think we're, we're building nicely we've still got you know the majority of our squad together with some good young lads coming through so um, yeah I'm quite optimistic of, uh, of where we're going and Gailey last but not least you, you, you had your challenges in 2018 but I don't think a fourth place finish was too bad in the end no it was a tough season we had a lot of external factors that had affected us you know I'd be all call ups um, losing our spinner just before the season a lot of players out of contracts and negotiations going on while the season went on. But no, I, th- I think all in all, we had a really strong finish to the season the last six weeks. We performed really well under pressure and we got a fourth place finish in the championship. Um, semi-final in the 50-over comp, which we we're, were pleased with. Just unfortunate we had a few players um, with England in the knockout stages. Um, I guess the biggest disappointment was, was the T20, just missing out on qualification, one win away from from qualifying um, we felt we played some good cricket but uh, inconsistent at times so no, I, I think we're going in the right direction we're obviously going through a bit of a transitional stage the expectation of Yorkshire cricket is still there that you know from the, the good times that we had three or four years ago but um, the, the young players are coming along nicely so I think we're heading in the right direction I, I saw Michael Vaughan did a tweet um, just recently guys the number of Yorkshiremen that are coaching counties or in coaching roles around the country is, is phenomenal we've, got, we've obviously got Three on the line today. Chalky's obviously just left Hampshire, but what is it about Yorkshiremen that seems to make them good coaches and, and gets them into jobs like this? Um, well, I'll answer that if you want. I think um, first and foremost, it's just in your blood you brought up with it, um, and I think there's a tremendous work ethic there right from a young age. I think everyone looks at Yorkshire cricket, the, the way that they bring their own players through, and see it as a blueprint for, for county cricket, really. Uh, and I think everyone uh, has admired that and tried to replicate it in some way or another over the years and I think that's why people want to employ people from that blueprint really Would you agree with that Max? Yeah I think there's certainly that as, as Gailey said it, it, you know it's a it's a big spot in, in the county of Yorkshire. You know, a lot of tradition there. I think things go in cycles as well. I think sometimes you get coincidences where a group of people from the same place are, are all in, you know, working in the same spot or same environment. So I think there's, there's a bit of bit of both. But certainly, you know, I'd agree with Gailey that you, you're kind of brought up with it. And, and if you're interested in cricket, you can't really get away with it, you know, working in Yorkshire. And, and um, certainly how, how we're kind of brought through the, the ranks and, and through the ages, you, you pick up a lot of stuff. So, um, 
you know, the the knowledge is there. I guess it's just tapping into it, really. And, and Sharpie, on the circuit now, when you're going around and you're playing your, your former colleagues, it must add a little bit of bite and a little bit of spice to it, does it, when you've got somebody else that you know very well on the other side? Yeah, I think that, you know, the beauty of the area that, that has, has gone before us is that everybody knows each other. It's not just Yorkshiremen knowing Yorkshiremen, but, you know, wherever you go, there's whoever's a coach or the opposition, you generally know who they are, so you've always got something to relate to. Um, but I totally agree with the lads what they're saying. I think that, you know, certainly I was brought up in an era that in Yorkshire cricket that was very disciplined, right from the clothes that you wear to the timekeeping, that uh, you had to have a shave every day. And I think it's in the blood. Uh, what Andrew said there is I do relate very strongly to, and, and it's kind of like... I don't know. It's as if I can remember when I when I left Yorkshire as a coach a few years ago. I felt as though I'd still got something to offer, and I, I didn't really want to go away from the game. So to have had another opportunity at another county, I'm I've been very grateful for, and um, you know very passionate about. So it's great to see Mags and Gailey and you know Richard Dawson at Gloucester. Obviously, uh, Chalky's just left Hampshire, but uh, I don't know what the future has for him. I haven't spoke to him recently, but. Um, I'm sure he'd still want to stay in the game. So no, it's it's, it's all very healthy, and um, you know, all credit to, to 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 Yorkshire cricket and what it's produced over the years. And Sharp, you told the story um, on this podcast about how you kind of worked with Joe Root as a youngster, but the other two guys on the line now, um, you worked very uh, very closely with both Gailey and Mags. What what are your recollections of seeing those two for the first time? Uh, well, Gailey had a strong bottom hand. Um, <laughs> but no, look, I mean, I, 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 we, we only talked about a few this a few weeks ago. I can remember that, you know, Andrew and I go back from from him being quite young, and uh, we've always had a, a very healthy sharing of information, whether it's been positive or negative. <laughs> I can remember him throwing the towel in one day in India. He got a bit stroppy on the wet wicket, but he he kept he kept he, he came round a bit eventually. And, and Mag, I, I knew from you know before I went back to Yorkshire as a coach I mean um, I was working at Bradford Leeds Uni and that's where I first met Mags and we got together and, and just started to work on, on, on a bit of his technique really and um, you know hopefully that was that was helpful uh, but you know very sort of um, feel as though with these lads it's almost like there's a real strong bond uh, strong relationships there's been a lot of trust and a, a lot of faith in each other and you know I certainly from a coaching perspective I think that I certainly based my philosophy around building relationships and trust and although we pull each other's leg all the time I think that we care a lot for each other. When you first see a young Gailey or a young Mags is it easy to spot that they're going to go on and make a county career of it or what was it about them that impressed you? Well I think it's, it's not just about having skill and ability it's about attitude and it's about being able to to cope at the higher level you know and, and not let the pressure of that be, be too intense I think you've still got to no matter what level that you play at you've still got to enjoy it and have fun like, I think that's when you when you do play at your best I mean when I look at, at, at Rooty now obviously knowing him since he was a young boy you always knew that he had something special about him in his in his approach and his attitude and, and you see him still play today and he he plays with a smile on his face and I think that's important. 
We're offering you the opportunity to play your part in the growth of the Cricket Badger radio show podcast. We have quite literally gone through the roof in terms of listeners over the last year. And there's an opportunity for you to get your business in front of the cricket world by sponsoring or advertising on the Cricket Badger radio show podcast. We're giving away headline sponsorship and also a maximum of four adverts per week. Get yourself on the Cricket Badger radio show podcast. Get yourself in front of our fantastic listeners and help the podcast continue to grow we've had some fantastic guests over the last year i've lost count of the number of test caps and captains that we've had some great stories too and you could be alongside those big names offering your services to the cricket world get in touch cricketbadger at hotmail.com or telephone james on 077-999-64812 to grab this with both hands don't let it drop through your fingers And Mags, you got good memories of working with Sharpie? <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, you know, going into coaching now, pick out the, the, the best elements of coaches you've worked with or, or senior players and try and mould that into your own personality. And I certainly, Kev was one of the best, you know, batting coaches I worked with and, and still still used and pinched some of his drills. So um, that probably tells you tells you a lot. But um, no, it was great to work with. I, I think, you know, going back to the, the old Yorkshire days, I want a lot of coaching about, you know, players were probably a bit more self-sufficient then you had to work on your own game so I found it you know really refreshing to kind of offload a lot of stuff to Kev before he even came and coached with Yorkshire and worked with him away from the ground and I think as Kev said it's so important getting that trust and relationship with, with a coach and of course as a professional sportsman you've got to be tough but having someone to believe in you you know pushing in the right direction means a hell of a lot so you know I, I think certainly you know since I worked with Kev, I think the last last part of my career, eight nine years, were probably most, my most successful um, individually. I, I always thought of you, Mugs. You were, you were a better player after you played for England than, when, than when you got picked for it. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. Um, I, I was pretty inconsistent, uh, really, up to 27, 28. But I think, as I say, after that, I was pretty good for the for the remaining time. So um, I'd say people develop and mature, I guess, and grow at different times. And I think it's just about, as you say, if you do click with someone and work with someone closely you know you you kind of know you're on the right path so um yeah i think that's a fair assessment and gaily uh, your, your memories of first meeting mr sharp did you, did you take a lot from yeah you know, when you were playing you work with coaches when you when you're sitting down and you're planning your attack do you take a lot from who you work with in the past yeah definitely i think you know kev came just at the right time for me in my career um, I played a game for North of England and we, we sort of met when he was at the university so we started working together when he was coaching at the university and I think coaching back then at Yorkshire was very uh, result orientated so it was very old school it was all about nets and the work that I did with Kev was more on the process I was able to sit down with him and, and talk about my batting how I go about my batting the feel side of batting and the mental approach to batting so um, that was the first time in my career that I come across that I think it was all judged on the right and column at that at that time so to be able to sit down with someone and talk through the processes was a relief really and it, I think it helped advance my career a lot quicker than had it done if I, if I wouldn't have had Kev there really so you know I've got a lot of praise for Kev the, um, I've, I've looked at all three of your your stats and there's actually not a huge amount between you three as players obviously Mags played for England and uh, as we said Sharpie played in the black and white era before T20 came about but in terms of your stats how, how much do you think you guys know about your own stats and, and the other two guys' stats in terms of your own? I saw an article from 
Mike Hussey the other day about how you've remembered as a player and I think you know I've only come to realise this a year after retiring um, that you start to realise that you're not really judged on your stats you're judged on the way you approach the game and certain innings that you played you always as a player you were caught up in stats how many hundreds you got how many runs you got a season and when you take a couple of years out of the game you realise that it's the match winning contributions that you were judged on and the approach that you had to the game so um, you know you sort of I would imagine by now Kev's probably forgotten his stats after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> is that too um, worse? <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think you know you, you sort of get caught up as a player just on on stats over a season and what you average. Whereas when you finish, you realise it's the you know when you're judging players, you're judging players on yes on on the stats at the end of the season, but you're judging players on how they go about the cricket, the daily approach to it, and how many match-winning performances they produce. Is that is that right, Kev? Do you, do you look at a player and obviously the runs are important, but it's when they get the runs that count. I think so. I think it depends on conditions as well. I mean, I'm that old that I played on uncovered wickets <laughs> going back going back to the late 70s, and uh, that, those were very different challenges. You know, I mean, you, you you play on wet wickets and things like that with dry footholds, and so obviously batting was a lot harder in those days. They used to bowl underarm in the camp. You know, you know, you know the batting was a lot harder in the 70s and 80s. Obviously, the pitch at Edinburgh wasn't as flat as it was in the uh, in the 2000s. That's my excuse, anyway. But probably having a slightly lesser average than these two. Did you wear a helmet in your days, Kev? Could, could you get it over that big curly mop of yours? Uh, well, helmets came out. I think the first helmet was worn by a Yorkshire cricketer in 1980, and it was John Hampshire wore a motorbike helmet against <laughs> Colin. Croft at Headingley in a Roses match and um, then helmets you know they, they became very important after that but the first four years of my professional career was played with no helmets no but you didn't know any different then you know it actually I can remember the first time I wore one uh, I felt quite safe actually yeah I thought well at least I can't you know <laughs> at least be brain safe not like that <laughs> no <laughs> I'm sure those two would have a comment on that. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, we'll finish off this, and thanks ever so much, all three, for joining me on the show this week. But let, let's finish off with a couple of rounds of top trumps, then, on, on your stats. We'll start off with highest score. We'll do first-class stats, because that's the format that all three of you played. Who who out of you three do you think got the highest score? And do you know? can you remember what your own highest score in first-class cricket was? Well, I can go first on that. Uh, my highest score in first-class cricket was 181 against... Gloucestershire at Harrogate. Correct answer. And I'm sure those two have beaten that. I know Mags has. Um, I don't know my highest score, but I know it was 200 and something, but I'm sure Gailey uh, got a big double at Scarborough. I don't know who it was against, but I'm sure it was a, a, a big double. So, um, so I'd say Gailey. Um, yeah, 272 at Scarborough against There you go. I don't know if that's top trumps. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, yeah, Gailey's top with 272. Yours, your highest was 211, Max. 211. Your average is, and bearing in mind Kev's caveat about playing on undercover and pitches and it being so much harder then, there's not much between you two, Gailey and Max. Which one of you two thinks got the highest average? I reckon Mags has, but he's played a load more games than me. I won't. I won't. I don't actually. Max 36.83, Gailey 36.03. 
So not a lot no, between no. you. But you're right, Gailey. Uh, Mags has played 100 games more than you in the first half. Yeah. yeah. He played forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and finally on this one, you all played um, well enough games for this to, to make a difference. In terms of not out, who, who do you reckon was the most, um, I was going to say selfish batsman and keeping, keeping the red ink there, but in t- yeah, who had the most not outs of you three? It wouldn't have been me. I was, I was always out. I was going to say Kev, actually, because he didn't he bat number seven or eight. So he's <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you're, you're right, Gailey, because uh, not necessarily in the position he batted, but he, Kevin Sharp, 38 not outs, Mags, 30, and Andrew Gale, 18. Yeah, Sharpie, you played for your average, didn't you? Yeah, didn't give it away. Very selfish, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> to, to finish off, guys, one by one, I know Gailey needs to get off and pick the kids up. What, what are your hopes for the 2019 cricket season? Start with you, Gailey. Like I said, we are going through a bit of a transition, but um, we just want to be competitive again. You know, it'd be nice to pick up pick up a trophy. There's a lot of expectation at, at Yorkshire to do that. But, you know, if we can finish a place higher or go one further and pick up a trophy, if we can get to a Lord's final or get the knockout stages the T20 final day then you know that that's um progression in my eyes you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're going to win all three trophies but you know we want to get to a finals day or a Lord's final or finish in the top three of the championship uh, Mags Essex um, I mean we, we'd like to win a trophy of course it's our third year now in Division 1 so you know to consolidate that I think we've got a good red ball squad I think the, the main thing for us as a club is to continue bringing through our own I think we've 16 out of 20 now have come through the Essex system so that's important to everyone there so to, to keep you know giving the young the players a chance but I think you know certainly the championship but I think 2020 we've been part of the last two years so we really need to address that so I think um, you know I'd like us to have a really good run in that competition next you, season you want to try and take Kev's trophy off him do you <laughs> right <laughs> I'm, I'm actually just sat next to it you know <laughs> are you in bed it's in our coach's office oh, right. here, looking very proud of it <laughs> um, and you, you well you presumably you want to try and retain that Kev what, what, what are the hopes you got for 2019 well I think the key for us is promotion back into the Division 1 of the Championship you know we've been a club who's traditionally fluctuated between the two divisions in Championship cricket over the last few years and never quite been able to hold its own in the Premier Division and and the club's goal is to really try and maintain some stability in Division 1 Championship cricket so promotion next year with a view to the the next certainly five years of of maintaining some stability in Division 1 and being able to compete to stay in that division and hopefully with you know still having a, a relatively young squad in age they've played a lot of cricket now so we're kind of hoping that we'll get into into a position to be able to do that well guys it's been a, a pleasure having you on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast this week uh, to all three of you good luck for next season and uh, thank you for joining me cheers, cheers, pleasure thanks guys cheers. good to cheers. talk to you boys I'll be in touch hi my name is Brian Laura and you're listening to the Cricket Badger podcast it's that Badger style. Enjoyed that chatting to the three Yorkies, Gailey, Mags, and Sharpie. Wish them all the best for the winter months and the season ahead in 2019. And now we move again to Worcestershire. It's Daryl Mitchell, legend at New Road, PCA chairman, heavily involved in the discussion process around the hundred and the changes in the domestic scene. And he answers the Cricket Badger quick questions this week. 
Daryl Mitchell, great pleasure to have you on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast this week. We'll get straight into the questions, Daryl. If not a cricketer, what would you have done with your life? I think a PE teacher, that's what my, my degree was sort of aimed towards, so yeah, I think probably got into being PE teacher in some way. What was the biggest influence on your career? Biggest person would be Damien Dolivera from going through, uh, so he'd be my biggest influence, definitely going through the uh, the academy from about 14, right up even when I was sort of captain in the first team, he's still my sort of go-to man until he sort of sadly passed away, so yeah, I'd say him. Who was your hero as a child? Graham Hick, definitely, for obvious reasons with the Worcester connection. He was a bit prolific, wasn't he, down there? Yeah, he did all right, he scored a few here and there, so yeah, he was uh, he was, he was was the main man at Worcester as, sort of got, as I was growing up, so he was my hero, and obviously, fortunately, got to, got to play with him a little bit as well. Which was which was fantastic. Did you learn from him? Did you pick up things from him? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, definitely. He watched the way he went about his business. He was sort of a little bit before his time in terms of fitness and things like that. He's obviously big and strong, but he, he worked hard at his fitness. And then, yeah, just the way he went about hitting balls and things was 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 really good. He was one of those you had to go to him and sort of pick his brain. So it probably took me two or three years to really get the best out of Hickey's. By the end, obviously playing in, playing in the first team and things, he spent a lot of time in, in coffee shops or in, in the hotel bars and things like that. So I managed to pick his brain quite a lot what's been your best moment in cricket like this year actually winning winning t20 finals there that was a experience uh, i've never never had before and uh, and very lucky to have obviously we, we never even got to finals day before so the, the day itself was amazing and then obviously icing on the cake winning it and, and winning the trophy i think i've only won two major trophies in in 16 years so that was a pretty pretty special experience kevin sharp's on the same episode as you this week he, he's doing a, a trio with andrew gale and anthony mcgrath when i interviewed them he said he was sat next to the trophy in his office and basically he's not laying it out of his sight he's uh, excited as anything he was uh, I, I interviewed him at the start of the season as well Daryl when he was taking on the on the role at Worcestershire and he said yeah he was a little bit nervous he was looking forward to it but the one thing he wanted to do was win a trophy so big tick there for for, the, for all of you basically isn't it yeah absolutely I think sort of him especially but also Moeen actually played a pivotal role that day just a very much a, a calming influence on the whole group so that the two of them together actually uh, put everyone at ease and yeah and we just we just enjoyed it and a lot of credit to, to Sharpie for the way the way he went about things this year and obviously not an easy job taking over from Bumpy who'd been there for so long so yeah he did a, did a fantastic job I had an inkling that might be your answer to that question but there's, a, there's another <laughs> question off the back of that what's your worst moment in cricket oh I don't know, it's hard to it's hard to hard to imagine. Obviously, we've been relegated a few times, which is pretty tough. But I think overall, we've had pretty uh, pretty fond memories over over the 16 years. I remember a second team game. I was I went as uh, I went as captain. There was only two staff members on on the on the staff that time. I got I got out first ball of the game, and they went on to drop a couple of catches, bowled two overs for for 20 odd after we got bowled out for not many. So that was a pretty pretty bad day, and that was I think that was my first experience of captaincy when I was about 19. So that would that wasn't a, that that wasn't a great day. I think I dropped Ian Bow twice as well at the time. He was playing for Warwickshire second team, so uh, yeah, he went on to get a big hundred. So that didn't, that was one of the, one of the worst moments. Certainly. That's a moment you spent years of counselling trying to forget, and I just brought that back yeah, up again. Yeah, absolutely. So, that, that was all on day one as well. Believe it. <laughs> we had two more days after that. If you could trade lives, Darren Mitchell, with any current cricketer for a day, who would you like to live in the skin of for 24 hours? Oh wow, in cricket. Um, yeah, you could go I'll, down a different route if you want to. It's up to you. No, no, we'll go cricket. I think um, two reasons. I've always always fancied bowling a bit of spin and getting me overs in. So I reckon Mo and Ali. I think obviously also the way he goes about his business is a hugely impressive character, Mo. And I've known him a very very long time. So uh, the way he goes about everything and he's living living his dream in the minute, playing for England and doing well. So I reckon I'd uh, fancy a day batting it batting at six or seven in the test team and, and bowling a few spinners would be 
perfect job in cricket, I think. He's obviously out in Sri Lanka at the moment. There are a lot of reports prior to the squad being announced. Your name was mentioned quite a lot in terms of the opening slot. Did you think you might get close? Uh, no, not really. You never you never know, do you, I guess? But I think obviously really impressed this year by Rory, the way he, where he went about his business. I think rightfully he was well in front of me and... Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's done fantastically well. He did fantastically well against everyone, I suppose, but certainly against Worcester, he got, he's got plenty of runs. So, yeah, no, I always thought he'd be the man to fill that gap. Probably a little bit unlucky that he didn't play during the summer. Yeah, so, I mean, there's plenty of options. I don't think time's on my side now either, really, being being 34 years old. But um, I would obviously love the opportunities and still would, but um, just keep trying to do what I do and try and score as many runs as I can. Do, do you think that's probably the door shut on that now, or do you still have a little bit of hope? Yeah, I mean, I did. Uh, to be honest, I thought the door would probably shut a couple of years ago and then obviously one name got mentioned a few times this summer with problems at the top of the order and obviously uh, with, with Cookie retiring as well so uh, yeah I mean you never say never do you I think obviously Bats went a couple of years ago on a, on a at 38, 39 so you never say never but yeah I think it's probably unlikely and they'll be probably looking for, for a younger model shall we say Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. If I was to put you in charge of cricket for a day, what would you change? Um, I think after this year, I think the wickets in, <laughs> in first-class <laughs> cricket, I think certainly, probably along with that, probably the playing as many four-day games as we did in April and September. I think we played eight in April and September, which is obviously over half of your uh, half of your games, which made made things extremely tough. And we played on some some pretty spicy wickets this year, so I think that's the one thing I'd change. But as a batter, you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Usually, when I ask that question, the people that I ask it to are nowhere near the decision-making process. But obviously, with your role at the <laughs> PCA, you're having a little bit of a, a say in what's uh, around the corner for the English domestic scene. How do you, how do you see that at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's all happening, isn't it? Really, with the uh, with the new new tournament and also the county partnership agreement that's being sort of negotiated at the moment. So yeah, I think we're going in, in the right on the right path. I think we're on the right lines. I sat on the ECB group committee last week, which was which was pretty positive as well. So I think obviously nothing's decided yet. I think the ECB have got a board meeting later in the month as well. So yeah, I think I think we're on the right path. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the new domestic structure that was published a month ago now, maybe was it two three weeks ago? Maybe yeah. that I think there's a lot of good stuff in that. And I think that from our point of view as a PC, I think the consultation process for that was very good. Going taking a lot of opinions from around the game, including the players. So uh, yeah, I think we're okay. I think it's been It'll be an interesting couple of years, I think, with a new tournament coming in, but um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. You, you mentioned the word consultation. You, you were maybe not consulted enough at the start of the process, but that's got better as, it, as it's gone. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll give the ECB a bit of credit there. I think they obviously after that sort of bit of a clash when when over the announcement of the hundred, I think the uh, sort of the consultation processes and we've been we've been involved heavily throughout the throughout the process. Really, I think there's there's been a lot uh, a lot of discussion. We've had a lot of focus groups with a lot of players and. They 
they came and presented at our uh, end of year summit to all the PCA reps and things as well. So yeah, it's certainly communications definitely got a lot better as uh, as, as time's gone on and, and, and things have, have moved in the in the right direction as a result. With the T20 Blast being so successful, and obviously you, you've got very recent positive memories of that tournament. Do we, do we need the hundred? Um, well, I think I think players are pretty unanimous that they wanted a, a new tournament. Obviously, at the time that was imagined that would be T20. Obviously, moving down a different format in terms of the 100 if that does get passed at the board. I, I get the rationale behind it. I think obviously like you say finals day this year was certainly the highlight of my career and, and something something very special. Can you have two T20 tournaments in the same sort of six month period or probably in the height of summer probably over over a three month period? I'm not I'm not sure. So maybe going away from T20 and trying something slightly different may work and hopefully we can preserve the T20 blast in its current state and hopefully that can thrive and still continue to grow like it has done over the last, the last few seasons. So I guess, I guess the answer is yes, it probably does need to be something different if we're going to entertain having two short form tournaments over such a short period of time. I don't think T2, T20 tournaments would be would be ideal. You were involved in the, the trials, weren't you? you? I think captained a couple and, and watched some others as the, uh, they were tested out. I've heard you have got your opinions on playing in it and you thought it was uh, a decent thing and the skills were similar to T20 and that was a positive. If you could put yourself in a spectator's position, do you think spectators will take take to it and, and enjoy it yeah I think so it felt like everything happened a little bit quicker looking on from the sides obviously I think the uh, the average um, sort of innings was just over the hour mark maybe hour and three hour and four minutes and things like that so I get I get that I think that worked okay um, there was a couple of things that I think need ironing out certainly in terms of probably umpire signals for the end of the, like the five ball blocks obviously you don't have the sort of obvious change of end of the over as you do in, in T20 cricket where everyone changes ends and stuff so I think we need to come up with a decent signal for that and and some of the some of the things work well. I think the um, the strategy break sort of in in between I think it was in between 30 and 70 balls or something like that. You had to take a two minute or two and a half minute um, timeout if you like. And I think that worked quite well. Certainly Samit when he did it in his game changed changed the game by doing that and and, and changed the momentum of things. And that again quite a nice sort of couple of minutes for people to take their eyes away from the cricket for a, for a period and actually I don't know check the phone or talk to the family or or friends whoever they're with at the ground. So I think things like that will work quite well but ultimately I think it'll be all come down to how it's presented in the grounds with the with the big screens and things like that obviously our trials are very much centred on the format and the actual cricket itself I think obviously what, what will come across from a spectator's point of view is how the, how the matches are actually portrayed in the uh, in the grounds and, and and again on TVs as well and how that how that sort of comes across on, on the BBC and obviously on Sky as well who generally do a very, very good job don't they with, uh, with their cricket sort of broadcasting it's a, it's a good move to get it back on free to air as well isn't it some, some cricket on free to air, to air because when I was a kid Daryl I used to watch it on the BBC Channel 4 go outside with my bat and try and be like my heroes never quite got to be quite as good as you guys but uh, you know you, you need to get it to as many people as possible don't you yeah absolutely I think obviously 2005 proved that with the parade through the streets and it's Trafalgar Square and the number of people they touched by being on Channel 4 obviously we've gone away from that and I mean Sky have presented cricket brilliantly I think and obviously pumped a lot of money into the sport which has been great but I do think going back to, to terrestrial TV will be a, be a massive thing similar to yourself I remember sitting there at, at sort of 10.30 wake, waiting for a 11 o'clock start for test matches on BBC Two I think it was at the time and getting that excitement when the test match special music came on and listening to Richie Benno and things so uh, yeah no, I think it, it's a it's a great move and it'd be good to get as many youngsters back watching cricket because obviously they're the future and I think they used to be done some great things with, with all stars and things and get the participation at that, at that level up and, that, and obviously being on TV can only help that thrive further 
your role at the PCA, you've, you've picked a very nice time to get involved in it, haven't you? Because there's a lot going on. It must be quite exciting from your side of things. Yeah, I mean, it's been brilliant in terms of, of, of time to be involved at the coalface of cricket, if you like. I think there's obviously been a hell of a lot going on and, and hell of a lot internally at the, at the PCA as well. So from an experience point of view, it's been been amazing. I think from a time management point of view, it's certainly <laughs> had, its, had its challenges, particularly in the season when you're trying to concentrate on playing the game as well. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been tough at times to, to manage the sort of workload and things. But I think I've done that relatively well and uh, and really enjoyed the experience. And like I said, I'm sure the experiences that I've had will hold, stand me in good stead moving forward for my sort of a future outside of playing cricket. I think it'll be it will stand me in good stead, certainly. There's a, there's a question on your, on your future coming up a, a little bit later, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Thank you so much for listening to the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast. Your feedback has been both encouraging and very, very welcome. Our listeners are growing week on week. The podcast is now available on Spotify, Audio Boom, iTunes, YouTube, and all major platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on at cricket underscore badger. Email the show cricketbadger at hotmail.com. Respond to the points made. Make suggestions for future content and play your part as the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast goes from strength to strength. Best player you've played against or with? Who's the best player you've shared a cricket pitch with? Oh, well, I played against Shane Warne, so obviously that's... I mean, that takes some beating out of thought. I, I managed to see out, see out a maiden from here and then got out to Sean Udall the other end, which was a bit disappointing. The following <laughs> over, so I really actually faced one over. But he's obviously a, a legend in the game and somebody asks those sort of questions. It's very hard not to mention his name. I played a, I played an MCC game with Brian Lara once as well. So it, there's probably two of the two of the greats. So I think those those two would have, have to be right up there. In terms of longevity, I think, Playing with Side Ajman was pretty special for a couple of years. He took so many wickets for us, and, and his performances were 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 outstanding. So I think he'd he'd have to have to get a mention as well. If you could meet anyone, living or dead, who would you like to meet? Oh God, that's a tough one, isn't it? If I could meet anybody, uh, Paul McGrath. I reckon I'm a big Villa fan, so I'd like to <laughs> like to meet Paul one day. I reckon, yeah, he's. Uh, He's one of my heroes from a sporting outside of uh, outside of cricket, so I reckon he'd be a good. Tiger Woods would be an interest. I'm sure he'd have a few decent stories as well. So I think he's one of obviously one of the, the great sports, one of my era. So he'd he'd be up there as well. I do love my golf as well. You could have a night out with those two. You'd probably never be seen again, would you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be yeah, yeah. I'd certainly be certainly be an interesting dinner party. Wouldn't it? <laughs> if you won the lottery, what's the first thing you'd do? I'd definitely have a big holiday. I think I've never been to America, and I've always fancied going to America. So I reckon maybe start off at, at Disney World with with the kids. I think something like that. He would play you in Daryl Mitchell the movie. Oh, I, I, I keep getting told I look like Gary Neville, but I suppose he's not really an actor, is he? Jimmy Nail is another one that comes up a lot, so he, he's done a bit of acting. So I reckon Jimmy Nail would be a good one. I've never looked at you and thought Jimmy Nail, to be honest. It has to be said. <laughs> no, I haven't really, but people. Keep, uh, it has been mentioned a few times. I yeah. think it's a nose. <laughs> is Crocodile Shoes your song on the karaoke or something? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I could do that. I reckon I could knock that out. No problem. <laughs> what is your first memory of being really excited? It certainly would have involved sport. I was always a sport nut as a kid. But I can't. I remember Villa winning the uh, Coca-Cola 
cup as it was there in 96, but that was probably, I, I would have had memories before that. Italian 90, I remember. I remember Italian 90 and... and Gazza's tears. David, David, yeah, but before that, David Platt's goal against Belgium in the last minute of extra was time. was a volley, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go for that one, I reckon. Yeah, that was a bit special because that was six. right at the death, wasn't it? I think it could have been six or seven then, so yeah, I reckon that'd be pr- that was a pretty early memory. Last... Yeah, I'll stop it later, watch it. What was the last time you can remember feeling really nervous? T20 quarterfinal, definitely. I, that was certainly the most nerve-wracking I've been on a cricket field my career so that that really stands out finals they actually took in my stride a little bit it was pretty good but I think uh, yeah the quarterfinal having having played in six or seven quarterfinals before I lost them all and being at home probably with all due respect to Gloucester probably the first time we've been probably strong favourites to win a quarterfinal as well so that was really nerve-wracking and fortunately Cal Ferguson got us home in the in the second half of that game Was there an element with finals though because Worcestershire had never been there before it was a case of going there and enjoying it and you know enjoying the first time that Worcestershire had ever been to a finals day and the, maybe the pressure was off a tad and you just went and enjoyed your cricket Yeah I think a little bit I mean I don't there wasn't too many pundits who thought we would win I think they obviously looked at playing against a really strong Lancashire side with Joss back in the team and things like that and then Sussex obviously with their bowling attack a lot of the talk was about other counties rather than ourselves so I think that took a bit of pressure off but then I think yeah I think we were already history makers being the first Walsh's side to get there so I think we enjoyed that we, we knew we'd make a difference that quarter final was a big deal for us getting over that line there yeah I think we just took it in our stride and again I mentioned earlier having Mo as captain I think just had a complete sort of cool calm outlook and everything I think even in that final it was 25,000 people whatever it was in the stadium I think Mo was the coolest calmest bloke in the ground both on the field and off so I think uh, he had a big influence on that as well I, I saw the uh, the huddle the, the big circle at the end of it You did. A, there was a video that came on to Twitter Twitter, where you're all singing the uh, the song at the end of it. Fantastic atmosphere, I'd imagine, at the end of that night, and probably a sore head the next day. Yeah, yeah, we certainly, uh, yeah, we enjoyed our evening. That is for sure. I think some of those moments going over to all the Worcestershire supporters and, and friends and family that were in the crowd. I think right at the end there, that was yeah, that was something that was that was very very special. And then we had obviously a lot of people in the changing rooms after. I don't think we left the ground till about half two in the morning or something like that. So uh, yeah, special memories made that day for sure. Sharpie was saying he's had to go for a three week detox in the Himalayas layers to try and get, get, get over it. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, what celebrity annoys you the most? I don't know if he annoys me the most, but I, I listened to Danny Mills this morning on Sky Sports News and he got on my uh, nerves a little bit. I wasn't, wasn't sure about some of his comments. <laughs> what was he talking about? Oh, just about the weekend football really and his, his opinions and I think we differed quite a lot with our opinions I don't get it wrong he knows more about football than I do probably but <laughs> he wound me up a little bit On a scale of 1 to 10 how cool are you with 10 being the Fonz? Oh I'm, a, I'm a very much an in-between I reckon I'm going to go 5 or 6 something like that in the middle <laughs> OK I was probably cooler 10 years ago than I am now in our dress room that's for sure If your plane was about to crash who would you want sitting next to you? That's a tough question isn't it? they're obviously in trouble too uh, probably Mo and Ali he'd be calm he'd be fine and he'd be relaxed so I'll, I'll have Mo next to me <laughs> you could have a net couldn't you down the, down the middle of the, uh, the plane yeah, absolutely. if you had access to a time machine where and when would you like to go I would like to go back to the Ian Botham era at Worcester and be in that dressing room I reckon that has been uh, exciting times obviously a lot of success on the field but a lot of, a lot of partying off it I would imagine it would have been quite eventful yeah I, I, some of the stories here from Steve Rose and Damien Dogbeer and, and things around that era then yeah certainly would have been would have been a great time to, to be involved I think if you could live Anywhere in the world, where would you choose? I'm quite happy in Worcester, to be honest. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd ever sort of grown up here. I got all my friends and family here, so I don't think I'd ever move. But probably one of my favourite places to visit would be Cape Town. I love Cape Town. 
also like New Zealand as well. So one of those two probably. Cape Town or Queenstown. If I gave you the chance to change one thing about yourself, what would you choose? I'd be a bit taller. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely be a bit taller, I think. Uh, and finally, Daryl Mitchell, and thank you very much for joining me this week. Um, what will you be doing in 10 years' time? We talked about this before, didn't we? You're getting experience with the PCA and yeah, broadening your horizons a little bit doing that. Is that what you see yourself going into maybe cricket admin or something like that or is something different yeah i think so yeah i mean i like to i've, I've enjoyed certainly that the pca role and i think probably steered me away a little bit from the from the from the coach or i've done a few coaching badges but i think certainly but sport sport in particular is is is, is my passion so it might take me a bit longer than 10 years but i'd like to be md or ceo of a big sort of sports uh, sports organization one day whether that's football rugby cricket i'm not not 100 sure i guess you have to go where where the path takes you and, and see but definitely i'd love to be involved in sport long term i would imagine you'd like to be back at edgebuster next year for finals day again trying and retain that trophy too because I know Kevin Sharp's uh, t- going to take a strong man to prize it out of his fingers I think yeah absolutely I mean that, yeah great day and something we said that in the dressing room after or in the days after certainly about being the start of something and, and, and obviously massive to win a trophy but we want to win a second and a third and a fourth so uh, T20 obviously being in Division 2 promotions massive as well but um, I think T20 or a Lords final would be would be pretty special and something that our lads will be, be keen to taste success again it's been great to talk to you Daryl thank you very much for joining me on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast this week. No problems at all. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. It's that Badger style. Thank you very much then. Four very good guests, I think you'll agree, this week. Andrew Gale, Anson McGrath, Kevin Sharp and Daryl Mitchell. Thanks to all four of them for joining me on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast this week. We'll be back again next week for more Cricket Chat. Until then, Badgers, enjoy your cricket. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.